What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Kobe Altman from your Cleveland Cavaliers. Hi, this is Joe Tate. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. Listen to Sports Power Talk. You're listening to Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. It's time for Sports Power Talk with the latest in sports news. That's right! Donovan Mitchell is coming to Cleveland! Let's go! In-depth analysis. He looked calm. He looked comfortable. There were no real shot plays or anything. Just a couple quick game stuff. Scrambling. Pocket presence looked fine. And, of course, the hottest takes. Wait, if you think bust in the NBA, who is the first name that pops in your head? I don't know how you guys feel, but, like, Trey Young. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? For the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. What is going on, SPT listeners and Zips fanatics from near and far? It is time for the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. It's time for Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP Akron. My name is Logan Congrove, and this week I am very proud to introduce a very special group of analysts today because for the first time, as mentioned on our X page, for the first time in the history of Sports Power Talk, we have two female analysts on the same show. A really, really awesome thing to get to do here on Sports Power Talk. So let's get right into it, starting with the woman you just heard say that Trey Young was a bust in the intro. It is Akron Zips women's soccer student athlete, Abby Coley. Abby, how are you doing this fine Sports Power Talk morning? I am doing amazing. I'm so happy to be here today with Maya, and let's get it rolling. Absolutely. And on the other side of the desk, making her first appearance on SPT, all the way from New York, it is Maya. Maya, how are you doing this morning? I'm great this morning. I'm super excited for the show. Ready to have some great conversations, and I couldn't ask for better people to have my first show with. Absolutely. We have a great show planned for everybody. As mentioned, this is a really cool and monumental one to WZIP Sports that I'm excited to be a part of. Start off with some Zips basketball, and of course, we'll talk about Caitlin Clark breaking the women's scoring record for NCAA basketball. Then we'll jump into a little Super Bowl recap, talk about what went on in that game and anything else you can think of NFL-related. We'll hear from Maya as she is new, and we have to question all of her fandoms, just as we do everybody else. And then in the second hour, we will talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and finish out with All-Star Weekend, give our thoughts on that. But nonetheless, let's jump right into it, starting off with Caitlin Clark, who broke the NCAA women's scoring record. I'm going to throw this right over to you guys. Maya, we can start with you. Your first take from SPT. What are your thoughts on Caitlin Clark's record-breaking performance? Yeah, I think it was huge for women's sports. I mean, everyone was talking about it. Her clutch shot from a logo three that's just so iconic. The celebrations, you could see the emotion for everyone. The stadium was erupting with energy, so it was huge for women's sports. Yeah, definitely a big move for women's sports. Um, Just her setting these records and keeping on breaking Breaking things is bringing more attention to women's sports that wasn't here once before, specifically to college women's basketball, but she's a name that a lot of people are going to continue to remember. 
Absolutely. Uh, Caitlin Clark obviously is out of eligibility at the end of the year. She's probably going to the WNBA. Abby, you just told me off air. Talk about that NIL thing that you mentioned, which is actually crazy to think about between the difference between women's professional sports and being a college athlete right now. Yeah, for sure. So right now, from what I've been seeing, is Caitlin Clark is making so much money from NIL deals that she doesn't even need to go to the WNBA per se, that if she was to still have that eligibility and stay in college, she would be just all right. So making that much money as a college athlete and as a woman is amazing. And it's something that's not really heard of. Absolutely, it is very cool. Uh, Maya, you you're, uh, you worked in women's basketball for a little bit. Uh, talk about how the game has been growing more recently. Yeah, it's definitely been growing a lot. You see fans, college fans, you see more, um, fans outside watching from home yeah (laughs) absolutely uh that's all we have on caitlin clark again congratulations to her on breaking the record but now it's time to jump into our akron zips women's basketball team touch on their recent performance versus buffalo they won 65 to 54 wzip sports was in attendance for this game leading scorers for the Zips were Tanisha Clark with 19, Lene Riley with 12, and Reagan Bass with 10. A good showing for the Zips, a team that's been struggling throughout the season. Maya, I'll kick it over to you first as you you worked for the women's basketball team for a little bit. Uh, talk about what you saw out of this game and if you think that the Zips are finally making some improvements. I think this was a big win for the Zips as they took revenge over Buffalo. The key to this game was definitely their defense. They were able to uh, hold Buffalo to 2-21 from 3, which is only 9.5% shooting percentage. And from field goal, it was only 31.6%, which is drastically lower than what UB is used to shooting. So I think that was the key. They also controlled the boards, Reagan with 14 rebounds. And obviously, freshman Tanisha Clark came up huge with 19 points. Absolutely. Abby? No, for sure. I think it was a great win for the Zips to keep on a roll. We know that the Zips didn't start off very strong in the beginning of the season, but now I think as they're getting their rhythm with the coaching, the new coaching staff and the players, I think they're really finding their spark. And I know that the girls are right now currently in the eighth seed right now, and I could see them qualifying for the tournament, but if they can keep this energy up, I don't see why they couldn't do it. So let's talk about that a little more. Uh, this is a team that throughout the entire season most people have written off. I mean, they've been bouncing around like the 10, even last place in the entire conference. Now they're up to squeaking into the 8 right now. There's still a few more games to go, obviously. It could, that could change, fluctuate. Uh, do you guys see Akron making this turn? Let's just start with that. Do you see Akron staying in this 8 spot with their remaining schedule ahead? I mean, anything's possible. It's the MAC. The MAC is so beyond un- unpredictable. Even as a soccer player, being in the MAC, games can change Teams you don't think could win, win, and teams you think would never lose, lose. So for these girls, if they keep this energy up, anything's possible. But, um, yeah, we let's see what they do. Yeah, you know, it'll be tough, but they can definitely pull it off. I think they need to recognize that the past game against Buffalo needs to be a turning point for them. They need to rise to the challenge and need to understand that every game from here on out, like, counts. Uh, identifying the issues that has prevented them from winning earlier in the season needs to be a thing in the past, and they've got to know what's on the line. This really comes down to how much do they want it. Absolutely. Akron had a good defensive performance in that game against Buffalo, looking like they're finally making some improvements on that front. If Akron were to squeak into the tournament, what would you say their chances of success are? Because if they squeak in, it's, it's going to be the eight seed, which would pair them against the one, which I believe is Kent right now. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'll fact check that while you guys are giving your takes. But I think that Akron... I think they can get in. It's just a matter of what the success would be. Abby, what do you think 
the success would be at the eight seed if Akron were to be on high coming into the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I honestly think it's a it's a mini win that they if they make this tournament in the first place because they weren't predicted to do very well or even qualify for this tournament. Um, since they are one of the lower ranked teams going against a higher ranked team, I don't see them being very successful. But I think it's going to be a good mark if they do make the tournament just in general. But I don't see them doing very well making it past the first or second round. Mitch corrected me. It is Ball State that's currently at the top of the conference. Yeah, I don't, if they make the tournament, I don't know how confident I am in their chances of making it super deep. I think Ball State, Toledo, Kent State, they're absolute powerhouses in the MAC. And with our young team, it's hard to compete against those more developed teams. Maya, what differences have you seen from early on in the season to now where Akron is they're getting into some games a little bit more than they were earlier on in the season. You know, first season under Coach Gensler. Have you noticed any changes from the start of the year until now? Yeah, for sure. So our starting lineup has changed a lot throughout the season, and I think they're finally finding places specifically for the freshmen to get involved. You know, you see Tanisha Clark getting a lot more game time. She's been a starter. Um, you see Layla coming in. She's getting in the games. Almost every game, she's getting game time. And I think getting those younger players in is super important and is really helping them. Absolutely. Outside of, you know, the Reagan Basses of the world, who would you say is the most in integral part to this Zips rotation that might not get as much public attention as Reagan Bass? Um, I think Morgan Haney is a huge part. Just her playmaking. She's super smart making ball decisions. Uh, but I think for next year, she, Daisha Lewandowski, she's hurt right now. But I think next season, she's going to be a huge part to the team. Absolutely. Abby, what is your take on that? Do you think that they're, what do you think about the Zips current rotation? As Maya mentioned, there's a lot of different players putting in minutes, getting different times on the floor. Is this something you as an athlete would know? Is this something that works out using lots of players in different spots? Um, I don't know about using a lot of players in different spots, but I think it's definitely good to get um, rotations in. I think it's very important to get a lot of freshmen in and a lot of players who don't normally get those minutes because you have to develop those players. Just them sitting and watching other people is not going to help them develop mentally and physically. So I think I agree with my 100% getting those younger players in. If, and there's players you know that are hurt right now, but that are going to help the team. So I think that Maya's right with that point right there. Absolutely. Looking at the remaining schedule for the women's basketball team, before the tournament. Next up, they have Bowling Green at home on Wednesday, and then they will travel to Kent State on the road on Saturday, that game at 1 o'clock. Still a few more games ahead, but talking about those two specifically, mm -hmm. um, Maya, what, what are your expectations for the home game against Bowling Green? I think it's going to be a tough one. Obviously, having home court advantage is going to be huge, but Bowling Green is a powerhouse team that's going to compete so we need to be ready for that. No, agreed 100%. I don't want to contradict myself from earlier, but Bowling Green's going to be a, definitely a tough team. I could definitely see it going Bowling Green's way for this game, but I want to be optimistic with Akron because I know they've had great energy as of recently. Um, but I want to say it's going to be a win for the Zips, but this Bowling Green team is nothing to mess with. What is it that you think Akron does best as a team right now? What What is it that Akron needs to be doing in order to win these tight games against teams like Bowling Green, who you think might be a close one? Going to Kent, it's a tough place to play, men's or women's, that arena. They have a lot of fans. What is it that Akron needs to be successful at at any point to be able to win close games? I think they need to really get into a flow. So, like, obviously the team is very new. There's nine new players, only five repeating from last year. There's a new coach. The three assistant coaches are all new. The... Uh, strength and conditioning coaches new. 
it's a whole new staff. And so I think it's really important that they all are able to find that chemistry together and really get a flow going. Once they can get that flow going, I think they can be a powerhouse too. No, I agree with mine on that point. But I think one of the biggest things for the Zips is their offensive opportunities. So taking quality chances and finishing those opportunities. Because if we work so hard in our defense and we prove a point and we get steals, but we don't finish our offensive opportunities or don't take quality chances, that's something that's going to be kind of tough for us and we'll never get in that rhythm. But if we can take good shots from outside or in the paint, I think we'll be set. Absolutely. Before we transition over to the men's program, last question I wanted to pitch to you, Maya, is what not even necessarily this year, what is the floor and what is the ceiling for this Akron Zips program going into the next couple of years? Yeah, I think the floor and ceiling will all be determined by if the team can all come together as one cohesive unit and really just grind out together. With it being so new, like I said earlier, it's hard to get that rhythm going. But if they can find that, I think they could be do really good in the MAC. I think they could be one of the top teams if they can all get the freshmen going, get the new players going, and really rely on them. I think they could really do a lot. Absolutely. We will see how the rest of the year plays out for the Zips women's basketball team. Again, if you don't follow us on t- on X, I, always, I still call it Twitter. If you don't follow us on X, make sure you head over and do that at WZIP Sports as we are the home for Zips men's and women's basketball coverage. You won't miss a thing by following us there. Lots of post-game coverage, in-game coverage. You're not going to want to miss it. Again, at WZIP Sports, head on over there to check out all of our coverage throughout the rest of the season and into the postseason for both squads. But now let's jump over to the men's team. The men's team has had a little bit different of a story this season than the women's team. The men's team last night, they defeated Buffalo also 73-62, to but the difference between the, the women's victory and the men's victory is the men have now clinched their spot in the MAC tournament. They could lose the remainder of their games and it would not matter. They will be in the tournament. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, initial thoughts on Akron clinching the tournament. I think it's something that we expected. Um, the team, we we discussed in the beginning that the team did not have a steady flow. They didn't have a steady point guard or some steady guards. But now what we've seen in their consistency, I think it was something that was expected for them to make the tournament. Because if they didn't, I think that'd be a shocker. Um, but it's something I think we definitely expected. Yeah, you know, it's a big thing, but hopefully it leads to something bigger. You don't want to let it get to, into the players' heads that they could slack off the rest of the season because they still want, you know, to play have a good spot in the bracket, but it's definitely a strong step forward opening the gates. Absolutely. Akron now in the tournament, as mentioned, but let's talk about last night's game against Buffalo, 73-62, to a good showing from a lot of different guys. Enrique Freeman led with 16 points, followed by Ali Ali with 15, Greg Tribble with 13, Sammy Hunter with 11, Tavari Johnson with 12. Um, talk about how Akron spreads the ball. Do you think that everybody getting involved is enough for this Zips team? Yeah, I'd have to agree. Like you said, five players with five players in double figures. That's that's pretty big for Akron. And I think players like Tavari Johnson are finally stepping up and we didn't see him with a big presence at the beginning of the season, but I think that's gonna lead this team to its success. I know Greg Tribble had a really good defensive performance as well, but that's finally what Akron needs and this is what they've been lacking is all of our team performance instead of, you know, in the beginning we have one or two guys doing what they need to do. But if everyone's contributing, that's going that's what's gonna lead this team to their success. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's important to spread the ball out, not just rely on, you know, Enrique Freeman and Ali Ali every week, every game. So it's really important they spread the ball. 
yeah, it's definitely important to not uh, rely on Enrique and Ali because as we've seen, these are two guys that can get double teamed at any point. Uh, every team has a has a plan for these two guys. So it's nice to see guys like Tamari Johnson, Sammy Hunter getting involved. Sammy Hunter has had a little bit of a rough stretch, so it's good to see him coming in four for eight shooting with 11 points. Um, I do want to touch on uh, Mike Dawson has had a rough stretch of games recently. He played 12 minutes, two points, was one for two last night. Against James Madison, he was 0 for 8 from beyond the arc. It was a really, it's been a rough shooting performance. If you're John Gross, what are you doing to help Mike Dawson get back to the form that he once was? Because if you look back, 2022, Mike Dawson was such an integral part to the team. Not that he's not now. He still is an integral part to the team. Uh, he's obviously coming back from an injury last season. If you're John Gross, what are you doing to help Mike Dawson continue to be the great player that we know he is? I think you still got to give him the opportunities that he once had. I think that, you know, maybe he's not where he once was, but building his confidence back up. And as a coach, you know, that comes with playing and opportunities. So for him just to, you know, tell him like, hey, like you keep going, keep going. You got this. Like he was very consistent in the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. He was doing very well behind behind the arc. Um, but for him, it could just be a mental block. Who knows what it could be? But just keep shooting because eventually they'll keep falling. Yeah, I agree with Abby 100%. You got to just keep reassuring him, you know, remind him that he can do the things that he knows he can do. Just got to get him out of this little block. Right. And as everybody has mentioned, Mike Dawson is a very integral part to the team. Uh, he had a, he was fantastic before his injury. I don't think he's not fantastic by any stretch right now. I think when, as you said, Abby, when he is making his shots, he's absolutely making his shots. It's just a matter of that medium there, with the line of, make some miss them. I don't really think Mike has found that line yet. It's either completely on or completely off. Uh, if I'm John Gross, I'm continuing to give him the minutes that he has. Just, again, let him shoot, figure it out. And, I mean, he has great guys around him like Enrique and Ali that are going to support him. It's Mike Dawson is a big factor for this team. Uh, something I did want to touch on, though, that I personally noticed in the James Madison game, and it's been noticeable the past eight games, is still no Nate Johnson for the Zips team. Nate Johnson, I think, makes a major difference on the floor for Akron. Although they're they're playing very well right now, don't get me wrong. It, it's not like, oh, there's no Nate Johnson, they're going to lose every game. No, but I do think, especially in that James Madison game, a guy like Nate Johnson is so integral to the lineup. Uh, there's still no timetable on when he could be back. He's missed eight games. They said initially it was four to six weeks when he broke his hand. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on how Akron has been playing without Nate Johnson? Um, I personally, I think Nate Johnson's really fun to watch. He's super like and like very athletic, brings a lot of energy to the team and on the court. I think that he was really needed in the James Madison performance because I think we were a bit dull. But in perspective to his injury, I don't think he's going to return back this season. I think that. You know, the best thing for him, honestly, is to just wait the season out, get back fully, you know, wait for the next season. So I don't see him coming back. But for Akron's overall performance, we've been doing well. I mean, everyone's contributing, and that's what's been so successful for Akron. Yeah, I agree. I think Akron's done a great job at filling in the spots that, you know, when he's gone, they miss. Just with the game at Buffalo, having five people score in double digits is huge. It shows that everyone's stepping up defensively, offensively. So I think they're doing a good job. You know, we talked about it a little bit with the women's program. It kind of translates over to the men's program. Akron also, Alex and I have talked about this a few times. Akron has, I would say, six or seven guys that you can guarantee will be contributing on a game-to-game -game basis. And then as you go lower into the lineup, you know, there's guys that come in here and there. You got, like, 
Ryan Prather's been getting some minutes recently. Uh, Shema Scott. I would put Shema Scott in probably the, the six or seven that comes in and contributes, although it's been a rough stretch for him as well recently. Caleb Thornton. Uh, Amani Lyles gets some gets some random minutes here and there. What are your guys' thoughts on Akron's overall rotation? You know, we said for the women's program that it's good that they're getting all these players in. Uh, it seems like for John Gross, it really is like six or seven players and then line, and then you have guys like Evan Wilson, Zach Halligan that are on the bench, and you won't see them unless it's a blowout. You know, I agree with the way John Gross kind of rotates his players. I mean, he kind of he goes with who's performing well on that day. So if it's Shamaska or whoever it is, he's going to put in and he's going to keep playing who's, you know, knocking down those shots, who's making those big plays. In some days it's certain players, and some days it's other players, but I think he goes with who's performing well that day and what's best for the team. Yeah, John Gross wants to win, and he'll do anything that it takes to do that. So he's going to pick the players that are going to get him to that end goal of winning. So, yeah. Absolutely. I, I've heard John Gross mention that, actually, that he, he bases his rotations off of what's been going on in practice. You know, they they talk about in practice how uh, the scout team players are so unbelievably important. He John Gross told Alex and one of our postgame pressers that, you know, guys like Evan Wilson, Zach Halligan, if they're not doing their job, then they're not preparing the guys that are on the floor and then you lose. So I think John Gross has a good situation going on, especially in a game like last night where you can see the rotation really coming to fruition. A guy that's really been stepping up recently for me is Tavari Johnson. Tavari's been getting a huge increase in minutes. He's scoring 10, 12 points every time he gets into the game. He he had a good game against James Madison, I thought. Uh, What are your guys' thoughts on the recent upgrade in minutes for Tavari Johnson? Yeah, it seems like he's been proving himself every single day in practice um, by, you know, Gross's philosophy, but... I mean, if he's performing well, why not play him? And if he's consistently scoring points or making big plays for the Zips, you know, why not give him those opportunities? Sure. Yeah, he's been a solid role player, really stepping up. So I think it's important that he continues to do that. He's only a junior, so I think if he keeps getting minutes this year, the next year he'll be more developed and can really make a bigger impact. Yeah, it almost seems like Gross has been changing Tavari Johnson's role with a guy like Caleb Thornton. Caleb Thornton has seen a major decrease in his minutes, I've noticed. Uh, Against James Madison, he barely even came into the game. Same with Buffalo. He only played four minutes. It's been a major decrease. This is a guy that used to be like one of the first off the bench. It seems like Tavari Johnson has stepped into that role and kind of taken over his minutes. But That's good you bring that up, though, Maya. Let's talk far ahead. Obviously, we hope the zip season lasts much longer. But let's talk next season. Next year, going down the list... You have, I'm, I'm going to pull it up because it's it's going to be a major, major change for next year. If you go down the list, next year there's no more Greg Tribble, there's no more Caleb Thornton, there's no more Sammy Hunter, there's no more Mike Dawson, there's no more Ali Ali, there's no more Enrique Freeman. All, all of those players are off the roster. I think next year we see a huge jump in Tavari Johnson, a big jump in Shama Scott. He'll be a major contributor. Um, I think a guy like... Um, I think a guy like Ryan Prather, who's been seeing a little bit more minutes here and there, probably starts to get his role. And then I think the focal point of the team next year is Nate Johnson. Nate Johnson is a sophomore and will be back in full health. I think the team will shift their full attention to Nate Johnson. Do you guys agree? What What do you guys think about the future of Akron basketball? Yeah, I would have to say um, for sure Nate Johnson is going to be a big role. And I think Shema Scott, um, because those guys have, the mo- have been getting so much minutes and they kind of aren't kind of like the veterans of this team now. Um, I think that Amani Lyles is definitely going to be filling in that spot for Enrique Freeman. We'll see. I'm going to predict that he's going to have a little bit of a rough time getting into it, but I love Gross' philosophy. He's getting in those minutes. He's getting those times. You even see on the sidelines sometime Enrique kind of helping him out and guiding him throughout these games. So we'll see how the Zips will do. 
I don't think they're going to start off strong, come out right at the gate. I think they're going to struggle a little bit, but I think they're going to need to find their time to figure out what works, what works defensively, offensively, and then throughout the season, I think they'll see some room for growth and improvement. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think they're going to, it's going to take time for them to get back to where they want to be next season with losing so many players, but that's why it's so important now to establish the players that they know they can establish while they can. So you think this is this is Akron's best tournament shot for a few years, would you agree? I, I think it's absolutely our best chance for yeah. a few years. No. I'd agree. Agreed 100%. Do you think that this team is better than the 2022 team that made March Madness? Yes, I would say so. We have so many we have so many veterans and so many players that that are contributing contributing right now. I think that honestly they can go so far in the well in the MAC and as well as March Madness and it's something really exciting to watch. Yeah, I agree. They play so well together and they have so much experience together at this point that I think they're better. I think if you compare and contrast the two teams, uh, the only difference, the only noticeable difference is this team doesn't have Xavier Castaneda. But I think when you lose that you make up for it with now, two years later, you have an overly experienced Enrique Freeman, an overly experienced Ali Ali, an overly experienced Greg Trill. He's a fifth year. Um, I think this team has more experience despite the loss of X, and this is definitely the better team of the two. Not that there was anything wrong with the previous team. That team was the best Akron team I've seen in my lifetime. This Akron team, I think, clears it. It's just a matter of getting over, getting over the mental hump and, and getting in. Once they get in, I think that Akron has a good shot to cause an upset really uh a lot of people don't agree with me on that take but i do think that depending on where they get seated if they if they were to win the mac they have a chance to cause a major upset uh let's talk about the mac tournament though as it is coming up what would you say is one or more things that akron has to clean up in order to get over that hump that we talked about i think they have to maintain some strong defense i know that Defense is one of our definitely one of our strong suits, but they still have to maintain the defense. They have to come out strong. They can't be giving away, you know, silly opportunities or options or changes off the glass. I think those are things that, you know, don't seem like a lot, but really have to lock in with. And also just creating good opportunities, not forcing shots. You know, shoot or shoot. You gotta take your shots and you know they'll fall. But taking good opportunity shots. Yeah, I think they need to clean up their first half play. They seem to come mm-hmm. out a little slow with shooting percentage against Buffalo. Their first half, they were shooting 34% field goal, and then by the second half, they were shooting 58. Their three-point percent went up 11% in the second half than it did the first. So I think coming out first half and really you know, being ready to shoot and hitting those shots is going to be super important. I absolutely agree. It, it, my take would have been the first half as well, as well as the defense too. Uh, but big time on the first half. Alex and I have noticed multiple times, we talked about it multiple times, that it's, it's a matter of this is a complete second-half team. Uh, but it needs, if you want to be successful in the tournament, let alone March Madness, you you got to be a full game team. It cannot be a first half team type of thing. Uh, that would Those two things, I absolutely agree, I would clean up as well. Just to, not that we really even have that many things to clean up, but every great team still has things they can be better at. And those are two things that I would definitely agree with on that. Um, let's touch a little bit on what's ahead for the Zips. Uh, big game. Obviously, they play They play on the road at Toledo, which is a huge game in itself. But I, I want to touch a little bit more on the next home game at the Jar, which is completely sold out, and that is against Kent State. What are, what are you guys making of this game? Man, I'm hoping Akron just blows Kent out. I'm really hoping that. I think that if we – this time we, we also have our home court advantage, which is crazy in the fan base. So that's going to go really well for us. But just coming out strong, because if we come out strong and punch them right in the first half – they won't be able to get back up. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a blowout for Akron. I mean, last game against Kent was a bit close for comfort, but it was at Kent, you know, their home atmosphere. Having the home atmosphere is going to be a huge advantage for the Zips. The players will feed off that energy, and, you know, it'll be bumping in the jar. That'll that'll set Kent straight. Absolutely. Uh, The jar is a place that the Zips are not keen on losing in. I, I don't see that changing against Kent on Friday. Uh, it will be it'll be a really good matchup. Uh, we got about two minutes left before we head to our first break. Uh, this is all a bit more speculation, but it is something that I wanted to touch on as it did it did surface throughout the the internet world the past few days. Uh, Ohio State fired their basketball coach Chris Holtman earlier this week. Uh, coach Diebler is stepping in as the interim coach for them for the remainder of the season. Now, the reason I bring this up is not because we talk about Ohio State basketball in these airwaves. It's because we talk about Zips basketball. And one of the names that was thrown around as a potential replacement is John Gross. Now, to preface the whole topic, John Gross has already coached at Ohio State. He coached under Thad uh, Mata early in his career. John Gross coached at Ohio University as the head coach, and then he coached at Illinois before he came to Akron, another Big Ten school. So John Gross has coached at a higher level than where he is with Akron right now. Do you guys put any stock into the rumors that they could potentially look into John Gross? Honestly, I don't I don't want to. I think John Gross has so much ability to, you know, coach a school like Ohio State, but for, for me, I don't see why he would leave. Like, I think this team has so much success and I think he would at least say at least two more years, you know, to go through with his players. Um, but I could see him leaving in two to three years for sure. Yeah, I don't buy it. I read an article that came out last Wednesday that listed nine candidates to replace Chris Holtman, and John Gross was not one of those listed. So I, I just don't buy it. I think he absolutely is capable, and he has the connection to Ohio State. And honestly, if we're if we're being serious about everything we just talked about. If they're successful in the tournament, this would be the year for him to look somewhere bigger. It'd be the highest his stock has been. But I really think this guy just loves Akron, to be honest. I I really, I don't think this is a guy that leapfrogs position to position. I think he loves it here. Although there's rumors about it, I think that John Gross will stay in Akron. I really hope he does. I think we talk about the future of Akron basketball. If that does not have John Gross at the helm, then I think it's even more so amplified what you talked about, Abby. I think it'll be even more of a struggle without John Gross. But I don't realistically see that happening. I feel that he just loves it here too much. His kids are playing basketball in the area and they all go to school here. You know, he he loves he just loves it here. I don't see him making that change anytime soon. But that's going to do it for our first segment. When we come back, we will talk about the Super Bowl that happened this past Sunday, recap some of the events with that, and we'll talk to Maya about what her fandom is and how it started because that is something we do with everybody new on these airwaves. So when we come back on Sports Power Talk, we'll see you then. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Congrove, and joining me today is Maya and Abby. We're having a fantastic show so far, talking about some Zips basketball early on. But now we are back talking about the National Football League and the conclusion of the season. We're going to recap the Super Bowl, of course, which was won by the Kansas City Chiefs, to much of my own dismay. This was not my pick. I'm sure it was not Maya's pick. Uh, Maya, let's jump ahead, actually. I want to, before we even talk about football, let's make it nice and easy. You're from New York. Talk to us about your fandom and how it started. Yeah, so I was born and raised in the Buffalo area. I live about 20 minutes away from the Bills Stadium, so I've grown up around it. 
So I'm a big part of the Bills Mafia. My family's all been a part of it. There's about, you know, it's tough with Bills Mafia because there's about a 20-year drought of the Bills in between the Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas era to Josh Allen where we were not good at all. But Bills Mafia, you know, they stayed strong. I love, I just, you know, I just love the Bills, man. Bills Mafia fan base is like no other. I haven't broken any tables yet, but <laughs> it's on my bucket list. So maybe when uh, we win the Super Bowl next year, I'll break one. So... Why is it that your team just can simply not get over the Patrick Mahomes hump? Man, I I don't know. It's it's so tough because we looked so we always look so good regular season. We beat the Chiefs regular season the past two years. It's just for some reason in playoffs we, we can't seem to get over that hump. I know the Chiefs have a lot of playoff experience. They have a really experienced coach, which helps them a lot. But hopefully next year we'll be able to get over that. Absolutely. You heard it here first. We add the Bills to the wide variety of random teams that are liked up here at WZIP Sports. However, at least Maya has an actual valid excuse, unless, unlike our former member, Marcus Anderson, who just likes every team that comes to mind. Um, it's good. I, I like people that like random teams that can actually back it up. I, I don't understand liking... You're, you're, not, you're not from here, so there's your, that's all you got to say. That's I, I I can't stand people that are like from this area that just say like oh I like the Bills or I like the I like the Jaguars like why it's it's good that you have a, a good origin story for your take so the Bills add it to the list of WZIP teams that we now follow and support Maya said I could be an honorary Bills fan so yes, I'm gonna sir. take it I'm gonna take it uh, let's jump into some Super Bowl talk though starting off with the verbal altercation between. Head coach Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, the wonder boy of the National Football League currently. Uh, what did you guys take away from this? Because when it initially happened, I was like, wow, this guy is... I, I, there was two, I saw two sides. My side was, that's arrogant. The other side was, oh, he's just passionate about the game. You know, he's, he's fired up. I, don't, I didn't take it as a he's fired up thing. I really didn't. No, Logan, I can see those two points, but when I saw it live on TV and when I saw it replayed, it... It didn't look like, you know, he was so passionate. It kind of looked disrespectful, and, you know, mm. in my case. And you got to wonder sometimes, you know, these guys get paid millions and millions of dollars that, you know, they feel that they can do those kind of things, which is which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but what what was the need to do that to your coach? That's all I had to say. I was kind of confused. Yeah, when I saw that, it, it made me mad. I don't get why players think they can disrespect their head coach like that, no matter how much money you make. And you can't even make the argument that, Andy Reid is a bad coach because, you know, I'm no Chiefs fan myself, but I respect talent and Andy Reid is a talented coach. So for Kelsey to publicly come at Reid on the biggest stage when he probably has the brightest lights on him is disrespectful and uncalled for. You know, and it's not even like I, mean, I see I see Travis Kelsey's point as to we're on a goal line stand and you're not putting me in the game and I'm supposedly the best tight end in the whole league. But I absolutely agree with that. I don't, how do you, I mean, he's one of the greatest football minds. Coach Reed is one of the greatest football minds in the game. So if you're not on the field, there's was probably something he saw that kept you off the field. You know, if I'm, if I'm the 49ers defense and they're on the goal line, I'm definitely going to cover Travis Kelsey. Like the likelihood of Travis Kelsey, if he was in that play, not being covered would have been very low. So if I think Coach Reed actually probably made a smart decision putting 
their backup tight I forget his name, putting their backup tight end on the field for that because it makes it look like that's not where the ball is going to go. But yeah, I don't care who you are, man. You you can't you can't yell at your coach like that. I don't care if you're Taylor Swift's boyfriend or, or Mitch Bates, who's sitting behind me right now. <laughs> you, you can't disrespect your coach. I know Mitch Bates never disrespected his Kent Roosevelt coaches ever. He says ever. He says never. But uh, moving away from that little interaction, let's talk about another key takeaway from this. Apparently, the 49ers did not know the overtime rules because when it got to the coin toss, for those who don't know, the rules in overtime for the playoffs are different. Both teams have a chance to score as opposed to if you get the ball first and you score, that's it. They, The 49ers were under the impression that that was still the rule. You can hear them in the coin toss. They chose to receive after winning the toss. And you hear Patrick Mahomes came running over the bench and said, hey, they took it, they took it, they want it. And they showed Travis Kelsey saying it, and he said, hey, they, they chose to receive. If they want it, they can have it. I think the Chiefs at that point in time 100% knew that they probably were going to win the game because the 49ers did not prepare correctly and did not know the overtime rules. It's do you, Before we even get into the preparation aspect of this, how do you not know the, the overtime rules in the Super Bowl? I mean, that's crazy to me. I mean, how, how do you just not know that? How do you not know that going into one of the biggest stages and one of the biggest games of your life? I mean, as any athlete, as anyone who watches sports, it's so crazy to me. But I want to talk about this topic, guys, but I have a take for you guys. Sure. Going back to the uh, Kelsey situation, agree with me, disagree with me, say your opinion, but he did not have a game. He was like... Of course no- not. He, mm-hmm. did, he was like nowhere to be found the whole entire game. No big plays, nothing. And I was... I was like, I was shocked. I was like, what? What's going on? Like, what are your guys' opinions on that? Yeah, his first half was terrible. Agreed. I like you didn't see him at all doing anything big for the team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I understand why he got taken out. He wasn't really making any huge plays until the end of the game. Absolutely, my. That's why when he had the whole interaction with coach, it was like, what? Well, what is the dire need to put you in? You haven't yeah. produced anything all game for us. So I thought it was interesting. Right. Yeah. So, I if I'm. If I'm any team, I, I get the rule is new. I really do. But if I'm a team that's in the Super Bowl, how do you not prepare for that? Or at least look into it. Because the Chiefs stated uh, multiple times that they prepared for the new rules. They knew exactly what was going on. And then you see a, a mic'd up video of Kyle Juszczyk saying, man, they said in the, in the postseason that the uh, the overtime rules are different. You know, both teams get the ball. And then he said, I didn't know that. We didn't know that. We wouldn't have chose receive. How how do you not know? It, it's how does, how does an average fan like me, sitting on my couch, know the rules and that one of the teams in the game does not? Yeah, that's, that's insane to me. I mean, it makes sense that the Chiefs know it because the rules change because the Chiefs-Bills game. So That's it, your favorite game of all time, isn't it? it yeah, it, I mean, it hurts, but it was a great game. But, you know, they were directly affected, so it makes sense that they knew, but every team should know. It's it's not like rocket science. You should know the overtime rules. It's insane to me that there's no prep, that they never discussed it. I mean, the Chiefs said that they practiced it every day in practice. Like, they were very aware so that they were prepared for situations just like this. So why the 49ers just glazed over it is insane to me. Well, I mean, guys... The amount of money that the NFL has and the amount of coaches they have, why is there not a coach for this? Or, like, somebody who's getting paid to know the rules or something like that for the 49ers? I mean, it's... It's a literal you, rules analyst. It's a thing. That's what it's I'm saying. It's a literal thing. That's what I'm saying. So somebody didn't do their job or, you know, 
what what just like what happened there? Because the amount of coaches, the amount of money they pour into their programs and their teams, something like this should never be excused. So if you're Kyle Shanahan, are you embarrassed by your entire team not knowing what was going on and you just blew? I, I saw a stat. Kyle Shanahan has been on the losing side of three. The only two Super Bowls to go into overtime, he's been on the losing side of it. And he has lost all three Super Bowls that he has coached in. One with He was on the losing side with the Falcons as an offensive coordinator when they blew a 28-3 lead. And then he's been on the losing side against the Chiefs twice with the, with the 49ers. Do you think that Kyle Shanahan is not that good of a coach or why why is it that he just can never get over the hump with whatever team he's coaching on i mean i think he definitely should be embarrassed that his team didn't know the rules that's he i mean that's just unexcusable but i mean as far as coaching goes i mean this does not help his case at all yeah, no, I agree with my 100%. I mean, if you're a coach and you've even been to the Super Bowl once and you've lost, you would think, you know, as a crazy person to be even an NFL coach, that you would make sure you're on top of every single thing that you lost or, like, that made you lose or contribute contribute to a loss. So for him to not make the change, you know, it's it's like, what, what's going on? Or right. does there need to be changes between his staff, with him? Well, they did make a change. They fired their defensive coordinator immediately after the Super Bowl. Wow. So you're right on that. That's He did make a change. We'll see if it was the correct change. Mm-hmm. I personally, now, if you were to say, hey, Logan, as a Browns fan, hey, Logan, would you rather have Kyle Shanahan or Kevin Stefanski? I'm taking Kyle Shanahan a million times over. I, I am not a, I don't, I'm not real thrilled with the whole win the coach of the year thing. It's, I don't know how. I don't know how he won coach of the year. I just don't. But I, I don't think Kyle Shanahan has reached the full potential of what he can do. I think there's something holding him back, holding his teams back that he hasn't, I'll use the word unlocked yet in his own. He's one of the best, again, Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan are two of the best football minds that there are. So it's it's tough to see him continue to lose, although, I mean, he did, he did leave my Cleveland Browns high and dry one year with Johnny Manziel. He made a PowerPoint presentation as to why he should be released from his coaching contract and it was obliged. So, not my favorite guy in the world, but if he ever wanted to be my head coach, I probably would not say no. But uh, let's move away from the 49ers and the game itself. I want to talk about one of the most absurd comparisons of all time, and if I hear either of you agree with it, I'm going to be very upset. I'm going to turn your mic off. We'll see, though. Abby, Abby likes to say some very absurd takes. So let's see if this let's see if this pays off for her here. You know, guys, I like to do some <laughs> controversial takes, but with Logan on this one, I definitely agree. I was watching the Super Bowl and before it even started, there was a lot of like statistic statistical comparisons and this, that, and the third. And um, it said that Tom Brady had ten Super Bowl starts versus Patrick Mahomes four. I don't even know how you can compare that and like all they of are the, not comparable. like it's not comparable. The statistically, it's not prepar- comparable. Give. Give Patrick Mahomes three, four more years, and then I'll start comparing him to Tom Brady. I'm still not comparing him no. to Tom Brady. I'm just not. I don't care. It's Tom Brady. Any game that he was in ever, it didn't matter. They, the world always said you cannot bet against Tom Brady. It doesn't matter what the score is. That Falcons game is a prime example. Tom Brady, there will never be another player like Tom Brady. I don't care. You know, People say on the basketball side of things, oh, There'll never be another player like LeBron. There'll never be another player like Jordan. But there always kind of is, you know. I'm not saying there's going to be another LeBron or Jordan. But, you know, people in Jordan's day probably said, oh, there's never going to be another 
Jordan, and now there is. There's LeBron. I genuinely do not think there will ever be another Tom Brady in any aspect. No, definitely not. It's, it's not even close. I mean, Patrick Mahomes isn't even the best quarterback in the league right now. No. If he was, why wasn't he MVP? Like he, He's not even right now. And I mean, you could name, is he even top three in the league right now? He just, he does not compare to Tom Brady at all. Tom Brady also yeah. had the ability to take any team to the Super Bowl. He, yeah, I was he, just about to agree with him. That. There was multiple. I mean, the Patriots are a dynasty. Don't get me wrong, but some of the earlier Patriots teams were not that spectacular. And then they said, "Okay, Tom, prove it. Go to the Buccaneers, who are terrible. First year Super Bowl. Put Tom Brady on. I mean, put put Patrick Mahomes on on the Panthers. I guarantee you, they are not going to a Super Bowl." Put Tom Brady on the Panthers. I bet you they have at least a shot to be better. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, Brady's the all-time leader in passing yards, passing touchdowns, completions, attempts, and quarterback wins. I mean, it just it doesn't it's, compare at all. It doesn't compare. It's not, it's not really a thing. I don't see how people think that that's actually realistic. Patrick Mahomes has played on one of the most offensive overloaded teams his entire career, even with without Tyreek Hill, they're still loaded. It's it's not a comparison for me. And people that are making this comparison don't have anything to back it. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big Patrick Mahomes fan myself, just in general. But he, he is a great quarterback. But I don't see it being Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady for me, growing up, I, I that that was a guy that I just expected to be in the Super Bowl every year. I don't feel that same thought about Patrick Mahomes. Especially in the regular season, Patrick Mahomes has not been great. It's I mean the playoffs he's been great, but regular season, I mean even this year it was it was a, it was rocky for the for the Chiefs. It's an attitude thing too. It's Tom Brady had the attitude of a champion of, at all times. Tom Brady never you never saw videos of Tom Brady freaking out like a five-year-old on the sideline. Tom Brady, when they were losing, the only thing I know nobody can see what I'm doing right now, the only thing anybody could ever see of Tom Brady when they were about to lose a game was sitting on the bench like this, waiting, just waiting to go back into the game. It wasn't crying to your coaches, throwing your helmet, screaming at your linemen. He, he just did not do any of that. He was so zoned in and locked in. And guess what? It worked every time. Mm-hmm. It worked every time. Every time I thought Tom Brady was going to lose, they would win. The Chiefs just are not, they're not that same case. They're not. Um, I also think the comparison between the Chiefs as a whole and the Patriots dynasty is also blasphemous. That the Patriots dynasty was an unavoidable dynasty every year. The Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender every year, but I've never been like, there is no way that they're not making the Super Bowl this year. It's, I, I always have the Bills in the discussion. I always have... I don't know. I, I always have the Ravens in the discussion. There's there's always another team. When it was the Patriots, I was like, nah, Patriots are they're gonna win every game that they're in. They're gonna win. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys think about the comparison of the teams as a whole? I don't think we can compare them. It's a, it's also a different time, like a different time when Tom Brady was with the Patriots, and it was just it was something really special, and it was something you can't compare to right now. And a big thing is is you can't take Mahomes off the Chiefs and put him somewhere else and he'll be just as successful because he won't. He's not that kind of player and he's not that kind of influential player. Um, But I agree with you, Logan, 100%. Yeah, I also agree. I think uh, the Patriots, they were dominant. They were the team in the NFL. 
You can't really say that about the Chiefs. I mean, this year it was pre- they weren't predicted to be in the playoffs. It was predicted to be the 49ers and the Ravens. So, I mean, they just they're not up to that level of completely dominating the league. No, I totally agree. It's not it's not there yet and I think dynasties have to like really last. I don't think this is a there this won't continue next year. I don't think this is we will not see the Chiefs again next year. Although everybody I said that last year and here we are. So, I don't see them being here again, which, boy, I'd, I'd like to keep it that way. But that's a good transition. Let's talk about very early predictions for next year. Maya, I'll throw it to you first because I feel like you're going to say the Bills are going to make the Super Bowl next yep, year. Yep, my first bullet point, Bills on top. I think, I mean, I think the Bills are going to win. What, I, makes you, what makes you say that? What's any different from the previous three years? Well, this past year, obviously, we had a rough 6-6 six and six start to the season. But I think once we fired our offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, who is now going to the Browns. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I, like I think that's a great move for us. Obviously, we had great success after he left. And so I think next season, we do lose two big defensive players. But I think, I think we're going to have great success in the regular season, which is going to lead us into a good spot in playoffs and I think with all the experience we've had in the playoffs the past few years I think it's gonna all come together this year wow my that's that's really nice but I really think the Steelers oh I'm a I'm a, I'm a huge nah. <laughs> honestly guys Cut like the mic. like mm. no how bad they are how good they are I'm gonna always take them like I'm always supporting them I'm always say they're gonna make it so Blank. That's all it goes. Why? Why do you think that? Well, actually, let me ask you this: uh-huh. um, If ju- if your quarterback is not Justin Fields next year, do you still believe that? <sighs> if your quarterback, if you're genuinely rolling with Kenny Pickett again and make no other change, you really believe that? You know, I w- it's hard to say because I'm hoping other parts of our team will will carry us. Um, our quarterback situation is definitely not our strong suit. It's the most inconsistent part of our team. But I'm hoping other parts will just help us pull it all together. I'm really hoping. What is what is the other part for you? What what Obviously is the, our defense? Our defense has always been pretty solid. Our defense has always been solid, um, and hopefully our like just hopefully our offense as a whole can uh, keep it together. But that's what I'm hoping. I'm a Steelers fan. What for the Super Bowl? So you think the you think the Bills are going to be in? What's the other half of that, and what's the result? That's tough. I think the 49ers are going to be another strong team, but uh, I'm not too sure about. About the uh, other side, I just know the Bills are going to come out on top. <laughs> Abby Casey just said something to you in the group chat. He says, listen, Abby, we are not making the Super Bowl this decade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Casey, come on now. Um, Casey's speaking facts. But, okay, Abby, let's, what's your other half of this? Do you think that the Steelers are making it, and what's the result? Man, honestly, like like Maya's situation, like I really just hope the Steelers are in it, but... Anybody but anybody but the Chiefs. Like anybody but the Chiefs, and I'll be happy. Yeah, I will be happy. Browns Lions, book it now. Oh my! If it was if it was the Steelers versus Browns, that would be the game of the AFC Championship. That would be the game of the world. Browns Lions in the Super Bowl next year. That doesn't even sound good. It's gonna happen. I'm telling y'all. The logo has orange in it. It means it's going to be the Browns or the Bengals. It's going to be the Browns. But here's my, as much as I want that to happen, here's my realistic prediction. I think it will be 49ers, and I think it will be the Bengals. And here is why. Wow. Mm-mm. If I am an avid believer in the NFL script, I really believe it. I think, especially after this year's Super Bowl, you're not changing my mind. 
that that was absolutely scripted that this that whole comeback occurred. Here's why I think the script next year is going into effect. Where is the Super Bowl, you ask? It's in New Orleans, which, guess what? Where did Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase play college football? Oh, New Orleans, right, yeah. Um, and where did they win their national championship? Oh, that's right, the Superdome, same spot. It's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals against the 49ers, and the Bengals are going to win their win the Super Bowl. That's a terrible. As much take. as it hate, I hate saying it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. What's going to do it for the Bengals? That's going to get them there. Joe Burrow. Just Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Whoever they get it running back to replace Joe Mixon because they're un, they're expected to not they're expected to release him. And Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase will be the number one receiver in the NFL. Are you over there recording me, Mitch? Get out of here, bro. <laughs> get out of here. Check the chat. Oh. Uh, See, yes, Casey. Yes, thank you. Um, Chiefs and Casey says Chiefs and Seahawks. Boo, <laughs> man. Boo, Casey. Yeah, this is why you're not on the air today, buddy. This is that. That's you're done. That's a terrible take. Mitch thinks Mitch thinks the Seahawks are. Mitch's random team is the Seahawks. Maya, for you, if you honestly, didn't know I feel that. like the Seahawks have. I've never really been that good. I forget the Seahawks is. Mitch is so mad he doesn't so have a bad. mic right now. Mitch is so mad he doesn't that's have why, a mic. That's why I said it. He can't say anything about it. Should I let him? Should I let him rebuttal? Yeah. If you want. Come here. <laughs> why the Seahawks are not that good? Uh, the Seahawks are a great team. She said we've never been good. We won a Super Bowl uh, against the best offense of the year, the Broncos, when we whooped Peyton Manning. Uh, really wasn't an issue. Um, we are a great team, Logan. I don't know what you're talking about, buddy. Uh, we have an amazing defense, you know, superstars like Devin Witherspoon, Tariq Woolen, best corner duo in the NFL. Don't want to hear about it. Um, and we finally, yeah, I have. Uh, Abby Coley told me to shut up in the chat, uh, lit a fire inside me. Uh, we got rid of Pete Carroll, and that's really all we needed to do. So uh, Super Bowl champs and the Chiefs are going back because it's the Chiefs. They're there every year. doesn't matter. All right. Thank you for that, Mitch. Abby, final thoughts on the Seahawks argument? Terrible take. Honestly, I just I just don't think they're very good. Just just to make Mitch mad. Mitch, you're Bro's nice. holding on to a 2014 Super Bowl win. Yeah, get out. Oh, okay. Okay. Man, I wasn't okay. expecting this today, guys. Okay, hold on. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't matter. The Bengals are winning t- next year. Bengals or Browns. Uh, either Browns, Browns Lions, or Bang. If it follows the script, it'll be Bengals versus. You think Browns can make the playoffs? Make the playoffs next yeah. year? Yeah, of course. of course. Yeah, I agree. They're winning the division next year. Okay. Mm. Eh. Mm. I don't know. I, I can see that. I, I can see that. I thought you were going for the Bengals. I'm not, but that's what I think the script is. I think the script is that my heart says the Browns in every aspect. It's going to be. A, a comeback breakout year for Deshaun Watson. Joe Flacco is going to re-sign as the backup, which is going to be more than helpful. Um, but actually, you know what? That's a good spot to cut this conversation because I did want to bring this up. And it's a good transition. Deshaun Watson, um, one of the one of the worst NFL analysts on the planet. I don't even remember the guy's name, but it was said on NFL Live the other day. Said that the Cleveland Browns should trade Deshaun Watson and a second-round pick to the Giants for Daniel Jones, and he was being abundantly serious. I, 
that might quite literally be the worst NFL take I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> why? It was. Why are you? Why are you? What are you doing over there? Giants. <laughs> <laughs> he. He said that the, the Giants would immediately benefit from Watson, and the Browns would have Joe Flacco to start, DTR, and then a 26-year-old Daniel Jones to learn and then step in when Flacco retires. I am absolutely against this trade proposal, and I would love to get non-Browns fans' takes on this. Yeah, no, I don't like that trade for the Browns. I mean, it's tricky because it'd be a good thing for the Browns to have an out with Watson, I think, because they're spending so much on him to be hurt or problematic, and I don't see him as being a good locker room player either. However, I think the Browns can do a lot better in a trade. Here's, here's my thought before I let Abby say something. It's why... I'm not a Deshaun Watson lover, don't get me wrong, but we're paying the guy $270 million, and we haven't even really seen what the guy can do. He's either been suspended or hurt his entire tenure here. Give him one season, and he was fine before he got hurt at the end of the year. I think you have to give him some time, and I'm not I'm not trading for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is not the savior for Cleveland, I'm telling you. No, I agree 100%. I think, like, why are we so quick to, like, get him, like, get him out of here? Like, give him give him a chance. Exactly. Give him a chance. And if he doesn't do anything well with his chance, she all right. She said we. She's a Browns fan, though. I'm not a Browns fan. Let's clarify that. <laughs> but, I mean, like, give him a chance. If he doesn't prove himself consistently, okay, get him out. Get him out then. Yeah, I don't know. I... I, I just I don't understand the love for Daniel Jones. The guy has really done next to nothing his entire career. He's not he's not good. He's not good. I don't know how he got a contract over Saquon Barkley past this past season when the decision was between them. It, that trade does not benefit the Browns at all. Why other than clearing two hundred thirty million dollars in cap, which realistically I bet you they would say as a condition of the trade that the Browns still have to pay part of that salary. There's no way that the Giants take on two hundred thirty million dollars. But to the analyst that said that on the airwaves, um, I'm coming for your job. It's people like you that make me want to be in media, seriously, because I don't know how you were awarded the title of analyst. It's analyze what? What the, like, uh, I, the world of media, there are some people that I truly believe are past their prime and their position. And this guy on NFL Live <laughs> is absolutely one of them. That's going to do it for the first hour of Sports Power Talk. When we come back, we are going to switch gears, talk some basketball for the remainder of the show, starting off with the surging Cleveland Cavaliers at the All-Star break. And then we will finish with All-Star Weekend as well as Hot Mike. You will not want to miss it. So stay with us right here on WZIP Akron. Welcome back to the second hour of Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP Akron. I am your host, Logan Congrove, and joining me once again for the first female SPT of all time, two female analysts, very awesome, is Abby Coley. Hi, guys. And Maya Schreckengast. Maya, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. About to get into this second hour of our show and talk some professional basketball, starting off with, as I mentioned, our surging Cleveland Cavaliers, who are currently second in the Eastern Conference at the break. An impressive run so far. Uh, let's start with the most obvious question, guys. Are the Cleveland Cavaliers the best team in the NBA right now? I'm not talking record-wise. I'm talking where we are at at the All-Star break. Is this the best team in the NBA? Honestly, from 
I think they're one of the best teams, but I don't think they're the best team. I think that there's some um, other teams in the other conference like that are a little bit better, but I think they're much better than they were, that's for sure. Yeah, I think the Cavs have a solid, complete team that plays well together, but I think Boston is still a better team. Like Size-wise, Boston goes big with Tatum and Brown. Then Mitchell and Garland, if they have to guard them, it's a huge size advantage for the Celtics. That's that's a fair assessment. I, I was gonna I was gonna clown the Celtics take, but you had the you had the backing for it, so I'm gonna let it slide. It's, <laughs> it's okay. Appreciate it. Um, I don't. I I agree. I think in the East, for me, if we're talking purely firepower right now, yeah, they're they're just they're on a tear that no one else is on. But long term, the Western Conference is is better than the East, and we'll find that out for sure tonight. I mean, the All Star Game is is whatever, but. It'll be it. The talent difference between the East and the West is pretty significant, in my opinion. But I think they're the hottest team in the NBA right now. I would not say that they are the best. Would be the way I'd word it. Agreed. But with that being said, can the Cavs make a serious run in the playoffs? Absolutely, I think they can. I know from you know personal experience from watching the team um, at the beginning of the season, they were they were not good. They never found their rhythm. They were constantly having players that were hurt, and they weren't consistent. They weren't playing very well. But now that they have their rhythm and a seriously good energy, I don't see why they wouldn't have a serious run in this playoffs. As much as I want to say yes, I think the team still has a few missing pieces that they need to go deep in the playoffs with their two best players being Mitchell and Garland that are both the same type of player. It's hard. It's going to be hard. It, depending on who their first matchup is, I think – they can make it through the first, maybe the second round, but I don't know if they can make it much farther than that. I think they're going to need to come up with a defensive scheme, but that takes away from their offense, which is what they're thriving on now. So finding that balance with the undersized guards are going to be really important for that. Absolutely. My apologies. Before I forget, Mitch, come here. You, you can you can official officially announce what we talked about off air here. Yeah, um, since Abby Coley was so confident in the Steelers next season, and I'm confident in my team, we agreed on a bet that whichever team had the better record, the person who had the team with the worst record will wear a jersey, we'll say all day, of the other team. So I'm, I'm extremely confident. I think it's money in the bank, obviously. You know, I'd have to agree to disagree with your opinion. I think it's easy money on my side. But, you know, we'll let, we'll let time tell. We'll let time tell, huh? I could get you a beautiful Richard Sherman jersey. <laughs> like, it would honestly, it would be like an upgrade over anything you would have worn that day. You could just throw that on, and you might get a lot of compliments. <laughs> All right, we'll see. I'm going to stay silent, though. I'm not going to talk too much. I'll, I'll let, you know, I'll it's let It's now do official. It will be up on SP3 Rewind, and we will remember this at the end of the next year. I will not even be here. So someone will have to have update to me. Keep you updated for sure. <laughs> I'll be hopefully not in Ohio. We'll see. <laughs> but well, yeah. All right. It's it's official, guys. Abby Coley and Mitch Bates now have the new WZIP bet. Shake on it. They're shaking as we speak. <laughs> Shake on it. There you go. Nice. Oh, uh, let's round of applause. Round of applause. For the it's official. Well, let's jump back into basketball. Thank you for that, Mitch. Um, so, based off of last season, you know, the Cavs did not prove that they were... they Actually, the Cavs had a very similar run to this last season. They were very hot around the All-Star break. They got into the playoffs and then choke against the New York Knicks. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley just did not show up. Why is this year any different? 
I think, um, you know, they had that successful regular season last year being the four seed. And though they lost the first round, they got that experience under their belts to help them better prepare for this postseason. No, I agree 100%. I think that for the Cavs to be successful, everyone has to show up. Nobody can fly under the radar for, you know, this tournament. So, I I think this Cavs team is better, but we'll see if it pans out in the playoffs. I personally just don't... I mean, hopefully for... For my sake, I hope they win, but I don't know if I, I think to Maya's point, Boston's not going to back down in the playoffs this year. I think this is a team that is better than it has been in the past. Porzingis makes such a difference for them. Um, I think honestly, here and this is the first time I've said this the whole NBA season. Mitch is already <laughs> laughing. I think you got to get past the Heat. I think you got to get past the heat. Honestly, Logan, I don't disagree with you. Yes. I really don't because... What? Okay, they 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 have their moments. The Heat are in the eighth seed right now, which is where they're comfortable. No, I, I don't disagree. The Heat... Oh, I was going to ask you about that in a minute, Mitch. I'll bring you back one more final time here, but let me, let me cook on this for a second, Mitch. Oh, boy. Man, he's so mad he doesn't have a mic in front of him this week. He loves it. Um... I think the Heat thrive when they are the underdog. This is a team that every year, not I'm not talking the LeBron years, every year when they are an average roster, they succeed in the playoffs. And it's coaching. It's coaching. It's the culture. It's the culture. It's Heat culture. What do you mean by culture? Oh, you want me to do this? Oh, my goodness. So. Hold on. Hold the phone. I oh, never got man. a real explanation of heat culture. Oh, you've never gotten it? I have Let never. me enlighten everybody. Let me find my let oh, me find boy. my uh Let's see. Mitch. <laughs> let me find this, guys. I have a whole heat culture explained. Here we go. You're asking for it right now. Uh-huh. All right. I'm just going to read this word for word from the desk of Logan Congrove. Now, as promised on Sports Power Talk, June 19th of 2022. I would like to take the time to tell you, the public, Sports Power Talk audience, and WZA fanatics everywhere about the true definition and meaning of Heat culture. As I have said before, as being a Miami Heat fan, Heat culture is something you can't understand unless you're a part of it. Heat culture is a motto, meaning hardworking and blue-collar. Guys like Udonis Haslam, Dwayne Wade, Alonzo Mourning, they helped establish and bring Heat culture to the forefront. Udonis Haslam embodies the grind of heat culture. Dwayne Wade embodies the leadership of heat culture. Alonzo Mourning embodies the status of heat culture in Miami's former and original players. The catchphrase heat culture is about the franchise's commitment to winning. In Miami, anything short of a championship is unacceptable, and this is due to the values behind heat culture. Pat Riley is the man of the culture. Ever since his time as the architect of the Los Angeles Lakers Showtime squads, winning has been instilled in him. Pat Riley brought heat culture to fruition in 2006 with his ring with Shaq and Dwayne Wade. Then he passed the ropes to Eric Spolstra, who's been the head coach of the Heat ever since. Heat culture is about player development. The franchise has a knack for finding player gems, developing them into contributing players. Although he's not with the team anymore, guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Omer Yurtsevin, all these guys were undrafted, and now they all have major contracts, either with the Heat or somewhere else. Duncan Robinson's the highest-paid player on the Miami Heat right now. According to the Miami Herald, the most adamant Heat culture hater can't even explain why the Miami Heat consistently find players on the street, sign them, and turn them into valuable players in the rotation. Half of the Heat's roster could easily have been signed by any any other NBA team 
not that long ago for pennies. This is a prime example of their of what they are building and what they have in their building. Another example is the conditioning. The Miami Heat have conditioning requirements like no other. The Heat have the Heat do not accept players who are not willing to put in the work to be great. Written in the Miami New Times, the author says the best version of players that think that's thanks a large part in their conditioning program, which cuts no corners for anyone, even if you're Dwayne Wade or LeBron James. When you come to the Heat, you are in the best shape of your life. That's it. Everyone knows it, and that's that's all there is to it. No negotiation. Heat culture embodies putting in the work and being the best version of yourself for your team. Heat culture turned a skinny kid from Chicago into Dwayne Wade into a surefire first bout Hall of Famer. Heat culture changed the course of so many players otherwise and would have been given that who would have been average any other anywhere else. Although he's not a part of the team anymore, Sean Whiteside, major example, he just retired. Could have been a, couldn't even make a G League squad. The Miami Heat picked him up, got him in shape, got a hundred million dollar deal in 2016. Heat culture is truly special to the city of Miami and Miami Heat fans everywhere. Heat culture is a culture of playing the game right to come out on top at the end regardless of the stats. In an article by FadeAwayWorld.com, the author says that P.J. Tucker is a player that is genuinely viewed as a perfect fit within that Heat culture that many fans often talk about. In a recent interview, P.J. Tucker explained that Heat culture means it's just dudes that really lay it on the line every night and also stated it's about whether one is really built mentally to win a championship. Heat culture is a lot of things, but as I said before, it means acting like a professional, and nobody does that like the Miami Heat franchise. The end. Beautiful, Logan. Thank you. That took me like three hours to write a yeah, year ago. Definitely could tell. My goodness. But all right, I don't. I really don't hate it. Like it's See? respectable. The one thing that I took from it the most was when you were talking about <laughs> Maya's geeking oh my over there. When... You didn't think it was that serious, did you? No, this is serious. This is, <laughs> this is talked about every single show. Every single show. I, I just I haven't talked about it the whole season. a bunch of things that a bunch of NBA teams could say about themselves. No! Yes, that's a good point. That's no. a good point. Yes! But that's the one the thing, question. Logan, I'm going to be honest, a lot of it went out one ear through the other, but the one thing that... As I said, <laughs> you guys can't, if you're not a part of it, you can't understand the it. The one thing, though, the one thing that I agree with you is that they can turn a player who wasn't perceived, you know, as a top pick or whatnot into something pretty decent because look like Jaime Hawkins Jr. <laughs> he's killing No, they that. can't. Yes. Name one what player on the Cavs that, that outside of the LeBron James era, LeBron does that for anybody wherever he is. Outside of the LeBron James era, name one player on the Cavs that has been developed by the Cleveland Cavaliers. That You can't. Crickets. Verizal. Verizal. Get out of the building. got a $100 million contract, huh? Get out of the building. Respectfully, no. The Cavs have not. No. Adonis Haslam. Man, I, sh- I wish I still had the audio on the computer of him explaining it. I walked up to this dude at the Cavs game and asked him to, on video, tell me what he culture was, and he did it. Yeah, no. I'm a Cavs fan, but you can't say, like, the Cavs really haven't, you know, haven't made anyone. Exactly. It's the culture. It's the culture, guys. I mean, other teams have that culture, though. Name one. The Bucks with Giannis. The Bucks With Giannis. He... he Yes. Go ahead, elaborate. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean. No, you can't. You Mitch. see the pictures of when he was drafted, and he's like this little scrawny kid. And now look at him; he's dominating. Like he's huge. He's dominating the Bucks culture. They they go crazy. The Bucks culture that just fired their thirty and fifteen head coach in the middle of the year and hired Doc Rivers, <laughs> and they've lost every game since. <laughs> yeah, that's a real culture. The fans. The fans. In Milwaukee. Everyone you named in your spiel has retired or left the Heat. You didn't With $100 million contracts, though. But the, but you were naming 
people that aren't playing right now. Doesn't matter. Well, that are, I wrote that. A, I wrote we're, that. We're, a year we're ago. Talking, now you want to talk about now? Right now. But the thing is, they can, the thing is guys, they culture can challenge the Cavs. Culture is, you know, that means like over years, like time span of years. So I mean. Culture is something that's built on This is stuff. great. I, I've never had somebody like, even though she said she doesn't fully agree, I'll take this. I mean, I'm just stating facts <laughs> here. Like, a culture, you can't have a culture, like, from one player. you got to have it from multiple players and from, like, years of success. Mm-hmm. Point blank. That's all i got to say. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't agree with him 100%. I mean, but I, just, it's, I do. It can't be replicated, guys. But what about right now makes the heat, like... Right now? Guys, yeah. I'm telling you, Jaime Hockey Jr., he is somebody who not a lot of people thought Let's would do, do really well, and he's doing good. <laughs> he won't stay at the Heat, though. He'll go Let's somewhere else, but he's building himself here. Duncan Robinson, Josh Richardson, Caleb Martin, Jovich, Jaime Hakez, Haywood Highsmith. You know who any of these players are because they all have $40 million contracts with the Heat right now. And they're all averaging at least 15 points Money a game. doesn't mean they're good. I'm just saying they develop players. <laughs> They develop their players because they bring in people like Kevin Love who are able to, like, show younger players how it works. You know, if you come in in Miami over a certain weight, this was said by, uh, what's his name? Oh, it, it was either Jermaine O'Neal or Antoine Walker. I forget which one. I confused the two. But one of them said he came in and was three pounds overweight. And they benched him. They said, like, you're not meeting the weight requirement. And this is an NBA all-star. That's, he said, it's a, it's a, the requirements to be in shape for the Miami Heat are unlike any other franchise. St. Andre Iguodala the other day, talking about heat culture. This is a recent interview. He said, I've never worn knee pads or a mouth guard in my entire career. I got to Miami and they handed me knee pads and a mouth guard. I said, I don't need these. And they said, yes, you do. You wear these now. And he said, they, they were so serious. I had to wear them. It's, yeah. it's a culture. They know what they're doing. They know how to develop. I mean, way back in the day, Charles Barkley, he got benched by Philadelphia when he was overweight but until he got playtime. That's like the same. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to win this with anyone because you guys because don't. You're wrong. You just don't understand. You don't understand. You'll never understand. No one, no one will understand heat culture ever except me. And the, and the people of the great state of Florida and Dade County. Your heat culture is 30 and 25. Doesn't matter. Finals last year. Finals with a very similar record. The Cavs were bouncing the first round after playing just like they are right now. Yeah, how does it feel to be tied with Orlando? We can't we can't talk about Orlando while Mitch is in the room. I can't do it. And Mitch, I'm not every time my TikTok recently, every time I open it, ever since I told Mitch that the magic were overrated. Every time the Magic win a basketball game, that dumb song is on my TikTok. That Orlando Magic, Orlando Magic. Every single day, every single day it comes up. And every time I'm like, dude, they have to stop winning. They, I can't. This will be my, one of my most crushing takes in SPT history if they end up actually being successful. But I'm standing by that they are not going to be successful. I know they have the same record as the TV. It doesn't matter. The culture. That, that's when the culture comes into play. The Magic have no culture. The Magic have a big stuffed green elephant that walks around the arena. That's their culture. We have Bernie. We have Bernie. Okay. Bernie. Right. Bernie the heat guy. <laughs> Bernie. He's a big flame. <laughs> it's Bernie. What do you mean, whoa? It's Bernie. 
Oh, man, I wasn't expecting to go on that tangent today, guys. It's Yeah, we might need to change the topic here. It's time. I'm getting frustrated at everybody <laughs> except uh, Abby. Abby took my side. Yeah. Pre- I appreciate that. You're I welcome. really do. This is this is I know what it's like to make hot takes. So yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh yeah, let's go back to the Cavs because I don't want to talk about the magic and I don't want to hear I, I, I actually talk about any more Florida Dude, teams. nobody's ever challenged me like that in, in her first appearance. Congrats. Actually, I'm actually not even mad about that. I've never been challenged in somebody's first appearance. And she kind of cooked you as well, so. What are you Whose side are you on? Yeah, you're cooked. I'm just, I'm just a little bit of everybody. I'm trying to play oh. like advocate here. Abby, man. I thought we were cooler than that. I'm trying to instigate. I thought we were cooler than that. We are cool. (laughs) Not after that take. No, seriously, that's that's awesome. I've never had somebody challenge me like that. I I like that energy, even if I'm, even if I'm on the other side of the argument. Um, Let's go back to the Cavs. Um, Obviously, it's the All Star break. As we mentioned, the Cavs are surging. What what are your expectations when we come back from the break? What do the Cavs need to do to keep this surge going? I think they need to continue what they're doing. You know, second place is for the Cavs to lose. I think they're sitting in a good spot. So they their schedule isn't too difficult for the rest of the season. So I have confidence they'll finish second. Yeah, I think the Cavs will do just fine. Um, but I'm really excited to see how they'll do in the tournament because I think that they're either going to do really well or they're just going to drop off and not perform well. So we'll see. What, what would you say they have to do in order to not drop off? I think that, like, maybe I feel like I've seen this the whole show, but, like, just have a fluid, like, energy and a fluid rotation because the last Cavs game that I went to, and it was in the beginning of the season, but nobody was standing out. Nobody was performing. Nobody was kind of carrying the team, per se. Um, so we need a few players to step up or just, like, a, how our Akron men's team has been playing. We need an overall team performance with many contributors, and that's how I can see them being successful. Yeah, really making sure Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland know their, know their spots will be really important and their right. defensive efforts as well. Absolutely agree. Uh, I think we need to, I think for me, can't have the little Jared Allen blip again like last year. That's that's just not in the cards. Jared Allen cannot say that the lights are too bright ever again. It's You can't say that as a professional athlete ever. It's I don't care who you are. The light Saying the lights are too bright out loud is not good. I think Jared Allen will need to be Jared Allen we will need a fully healthy team. We need the best performances out of Donovan Mitchell that we can get. And then you got guys coming off the bench. I think we'll need a lot from Sam Merrill. Honestly, I think that guy's going to have to knock some threes down. Need Max Struess to stay more consistent. Uh, we're going to need Miami Max Struess, not the Cleveland Max Struess that we've seen the past two weeks. He he needs to go back to being the X Factor. If I'm the Cavs, I'm, I'm putting Max Struess on the bench. That's how he thrived in Miami, and I think it, it'd be good to switch back to that for him. He's not contributing like any, anybody thought he would. Mm-hmm. I would probably give his starting minutes to Sam Merrill. That might sound crazy, but Sam Merrill, is his consistency is insane right now. I would, I would put Sam Merrill into that, time, into that slot. Um, and then biggest key for me, too, is Darius Garland. Mm-hmm. Darius Garland, there's a lot of rumors that him and Donovan Mitchell – don't mesh well together on the floor, then Darius Garland's not able to be a number two. I think we have to have something out of Darius Garland that isn't, like, out of the normal. Darius Garland needs to learn to be able to be the second fiddle because he is the second fiddle in Cleveland. He's not the star player. He's just not. It's Donovan Mitchell as long as he's here. That's my big keys for the Cavs. Um I think, as I said, I think the biggest step-ups would need to be Max Struess and needs to be 
out of Sam Merrill, get a lot out of Sam Merrill, and maybe Darius Garland. Those are three names for me. Who would you guys say needs to step up the most for the Cavs? I think, as you mentioned, Max Strews, because he's been so streaky lately, and if he is going to be a starter, he really needs to step up and make the shots. Agreed. I would also say Niang. Niang. He's, he's an unexpected kind of. Niang can score 30 or Niang will play 30 minutes and score two points. There's no in between. And that's something that, you know, do you want to take a chance on that? No. You know what I mean? I think JB Bickerstaff, I think their rotation is a little bit big right now. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about in college with like the zips, the rotations, you want to get more people integrated. In the pros, you don't. I've, you do not want to have a 10-man rotation on a 12-player roster. and you just It's not going to work in the NBA. You need to have six or seven guys that are consistently playing very well, and that's what you're going with. Um, but for the Cavs right now, it really is. It, it's a 10-man rotation. And I don't, know, I don't know how you establish it so that it's not a 10-man rotation. I mean, J.B. Bickerstaff has been quoted a couple times saying that uh, he... He doesn't know like how he how can not have a ten man because here I'll go down the roster. Jared Allen starts, Darius Garland, Karis Levert gets minutes, Sam Merrill, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Niang, Okoro, Craig Porter, Max Strus, and Dean Wade. They're all in the consistent rotation. Now I don't I'm not a Dean Wade fan. I'd take Dean Wade out of the rotation if you're, if you're going to mess with people's minutes. I think we need more. I forgot about Karis Levert. You need more from Karis Levert. Uh, you definitely need more from Isaac Okoro. Isaac Okoro has been playing well recently, but you do need more from him. There, there's a lot of different players that you might yeah. need more from. Agreed. Is the best way to put it for the Cavs. It's going to have to be the second half of this year. Find find the rotation that's going to work mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. Um, last question before we head into break. Early in the season, there was JB Bickerstaff's seat was as hot as it possibly could be. Do you guys think that it has cooled down and has he saved his job? I think it's cooled down for sure, but has he saved his job? I don't know. I think that's something we have to see how they do in the playoffs and whatnot, but I I think he's all right. I don't think it's as hot as it was. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely cooled down. I mean, the way he's turned the Cavs team around, getting to the second seed, they're on fire right now, but it will come down to the playoffs. I agree. I'm glad you guys guys mentioned that. I think that it's entirely dependent on the playoffs because just like last year, we're streaking again cool it's the regular season if i think if they choke in the playoffs again and we wasted another year of donovan mitchell then it's a conversation that might need to be had depending on how they lose i would say if it's if it's seven games even in the first round i don't want to see them get knocked out in the first round again but if they go to seven games with like i don't know the knicks or even like the heat if they go to seven games and lose depending on how they lost. If it was an even series, that would change my mind. But if they get blown out in the playoffs, first round, or even second, if they get blown out in the second round, actually, I don't know if I like that take, because that would still be an advancement from last year. I think it just depends on the, how they do initially. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? That's going to be... T- They're very... Oh. It, it's very unpredictable. I agree. I'll, I'll give Maya the last word on this. How How far do you think the Cavs need to go in order for his job to be 100% secure. I think it's probably about 80% secure right now. I think they need to make it past the second round. Past the second round? Yeah. I, I like it. I, I would love them to. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Who would I want mean, that? Getting past the first round, if they're such a high seed, they're likely going to play an easier team, so that's expected. But can they rise to the challenge in the second round? Exactly. 
That's a good point. But also, you know, the hope is they've been playing so consistently now, but can they can they even take that into the tournament? Can they do well in the first round? Like, you know, I mean, we'll see. I sure hope so, because I'm really sick of seeing them get bounced. If they get bounced, it's going to be some changes will need to be made for me. Before we had to break, hottest take, if they get bounced in the first round, are you looking into options for Donovan Mitchell? No. Honestly, that could go either way for me personally. I mean, I don't know. It could go either way for me. I'm not sure. I think he's been so dominant for the team. you got to look at other people than him. Yeah, I think it would come down to trading guys like Karis LeVert or yeah. uh, th- those type, Isaac Okoro, role players. Yeah, Donovan sure. Mitchell is not the issue. No. I don't care what anybody says. And he's said multiple times he's happy here, so why would you mess with that? It's true. I'm not, I'm not messing with it. But that is going to take us to our final break of today's show. When we come back, we will talk NBA All-Star Weekend as the All-Star Game is tonight. All-Star Saturday night concluded last night. We'll give our thoughts on that as a whole and dig into some of the contests and have a good conversation when we come back on Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP. Welcome back to the final segment of today's Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP. I'm your host, Logan Congrove, and joining me today on the first female dominated SPT in the history of the show, it is Abby Coley. Hey, guys. And Maya Schreckengoss. Hey. Great show so far. I, I didn't think we were going to get into an argument like that. I, I like it. I like the energy, and it's good to bring the energy into the final segment so that we can send you guys off on your week thinking about the next time you'll get to listen to Sports Power Talk. So it's time to jump into the NBA All-Star Weekend, which kicked off last night. I guess it kicked off Friday, really, with the celebrity game. But the real festivities kicked off last night for All-Star Saturday night. Uh, lots of good contests, you know. For me, though, I'm just not really a big fan of this weekend anymore, except for the actual game. We'll see. I, I think I'll like the game better this year because it's back to East and West. But um, as for the results of the games, we'll start off with the skills challenge, which was won by the Pacers team. Fun fact, the team that has hosted the All-Star game for the past three years has now won in the skills challenge. Team Pacers this year. Team Jazz last year and Team Cavaliers the year before when it was in Cleveland. Uh, what were you guys' takeaways from the skills challenge? Not necessarily. It doesn't even have to be about the basketball aspect. Talk about the actual event. That's more so what I want to touch on with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was good to see that Indiana took the win. Obviously, it's always good when the home team wins, gets the crowd going. Mm-hmm. The energy was insane. I thought if in the first event, it was pretty sloppy besides the Pacers team. A lot of like little mistakes that just it was just sloppy basketball. And obviously it's all just for fun and games. So it's not that important, but it's just sloppy kind of all around. And then to finish it with the half court, that was kind of painful to watch. That was rough. Mm. Yeah. Then I had to agree with Maya as well. It's. The skills challenge isn't really one of my favorite aspects of the weekend, no. for sure. It's actually, like, I mean, when I was a kid, I'm not even a kid, like, probably middle school, high school is when I really started paying attention to the All-Star Saturday night. And the skills challenge, like, the events started at 8, and I used to watch it with my dad, and I'd be like, eh, it's okay if we don't, if I missed the skills challenge, I was not, like, upset about it. Yeah. it it's yeah. not one that I like, oh my gosh, it's time to watch the skills challenge, because it's just 
kind of boring. It's they yeah. just kind of run around and throw things. So Agreed. I don't know. I one thing I did really like this year that I think improved the quality of the skills challenge is that court, the LED yeah. basketball court. It's they were like the when the players would move, it would show it their movements on the court. It would change to show different things. I think that was a really cool aspect to the whole, to the entire event. Mm-hmm. But as for the skills challenge as a whole, nothing overly interesting for me. Uh, the team, what, which team? The uh, what was the team that was not? There was three teams, and one of them was just bad. Rookies. Rookies. The rookies were bad. They were terrible. They were really bad. It was hard to watch. Yeah. Um, but then you have, I mean, even like. Was that did that one have Wemby on it? Yeah. Yeah, Wemby. I thought it was hilarious. You know the the part where it has like the the things that are moving in your face. Yeah. While, that wasn't even in his face. No. It, those weren't even an obstacle for that guy. That's hilarious. Although he's not better than Bulbul. He's not better than Bulbul. Uh, I don't even want. We're not doing I don't it today. Want to have that chat right now? We're not doing it today. <laughs> I just gotta say. Even, I just gotta preface. Because because I gave him props, I can't. I have to reiterate that I don't think he's better than Bulbul. But it was real. It's crazy that those. I mean, he's those giant things were not in his face. When you got a guy like Tyrese Maxey, they were completely in his face, and then it switches to Victor Wembanyama, and it's like. He's looking over top of these things. Did you see Anthony Edwards' shots? With his left hand? When he kept, like, hitting the side of the backboard? Yeah. He... Tough watch. He said he'd show... He he said, I didn't care. I shot everything with my left hand. I think that's part of the problem with the All-Star game is, why don't you care? You know, it's supposed to be fun and entertaining. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But don't make it crappy for all the listeners or all the the viewers. Do they get paid to do it? I don't know. That's a good question. That, because if there's no incentive, some of them might be like, well... I think if you win, I don't know. I don't know. Definitely not for the skills challenge, I don't think. Because... Mm-hmm. No, Maybe I, the dunk contest? Dunk contest, you have to get paid. You have to win something because, I mean, guys like Mac McClung... There's got to be a lot of brand deals and, like, popularity you get from that. That's true, yeah. I mean, Mac McClung is basically gliding by on two dunk contest victories. I mean, I, I we'll get to it, but I, I think that dude should just get an NBA contract at some point. I mean, he's bounced around the G League, and he's won the dunk contest twice now. Let's move on from the skills challenge, though, because I think it's the most boring by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to the three-point contest, which Damian Miller defeated Trey Young, Abby's favorite player of all time, in the final round um, against Carl Anthony Towns and Trey Young. Damian Lillard, first back-to-back winner since 2007. Pretty impressive performance. Let's talk about uh, the most unimpressive performance, which was Donovan Mitchell. What did you guys take away from the three-point contest this year? It was kind of mid. Yeah. There wasn't much to it. Um, honestly, it was it was just a little underwhelming for me. Yeah, it was, it was low scoring. I guess I expected more. But I mean, it's always it was exciting to see Damian Lillard take the win. I don't mind Damian, but Damian Lillard uh, d- didn't do uh, Logan Congreve any favors on on my favorite app. I'm not gonna. We can't really disclose <laughs> things, but Damian Lillard did not do me any favors. Um, it's another contest that is. I would say it has. I like that it still has name value. There's a lot of guys in it that we yeah. know who they are. That's the nicest part about the three-point contest. However, 
they don't have like the lethal shooters anymore. I mean, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, you know, back in the olden days, guys like Larry Bird, he'd come out in his shooting shirt and just say, "I'm going to win this. I'm not. I'm not losing this today." I don't think that energy is there for the three-point contest anymore. Even Reggie Miller brought it up. He was like, "Ah, oh, the three-point contest." He's like, "When I was in that, it was such an event, and now it's, it's just a just shoot around." I think they try to do too much with the antics of it too, with like the money, like. I like the money ball thing, but we don't need, like, oh, here's the starry ball. Here's the Wilson ball. Like, just shoot basketballs and make up point values for them. Like, put one, do it like they used to. Put one money ball per rack and then have a full money ball rack wherever they want it. Agreed. It was the best way to format it. But how about Donovan Mitchell's 21-point performance that got him bounced in the first round? That was just disappointing. There's not much to say about it. I liked his jersey. I liked the Sam Merrill jersey, the Money yeah. Merrill jersey. That was probably about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also another thing, I didn't realize till towards the end of the event that everybody was wearing their uh, City Edition jersey. It looked like that was the requirement if you were participating in anything that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't see anything very overly impressive with that either. Uh, let's move on to the next event, which was Sabrina versus Steph. This actually was, for me, the most entertaining one. Yeah. And I, yeah. I mean, and let's be honest, it's still not that entertaining. Like, it wasn't anything. They hyped it up to be pretty ridiculous. And, it, I mean, it was cool. It was definitely the best event, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But still, the excitement factor just wasn't really there for me. I mean, that could have been played up to be something so much bigger and I think it was kind of a missed opportunity. Um, what did you guys actually, I'll, I'll kick it to you. This is something I'd love to hear you guys touch on. Uh, she chose, Sabrina chose to shoot from the NBA line, but shot with WNBA basketball. Steph shot with obviously NBA basketballs from the NBA line. Um, what did you think of the criticisms that some people said? Why wouldn't she, if she wants to prove a point, why wouldn't she just shoot with regular basketballs? Because I totally disagree with that point. I'd love to kick it to you guys first. Yeah, I think she did prove a point by shooting from the NBA 100%. line. I mean, I don't think the size of the ball is proves anything, proves that she's less than anything. I thought her coming out hot with 26 points from there, which is what, you know, the winning score of the regular three-point contest was, I thought that was a huge statement. Yeah, I mean, why would she shoot with a regular ball if she's never shoots at them? Exactly. And, like, that makes, that just to me, that makes no sense. That's but, like... Like, wh- why would she change that? That's like saying... I don't know. I mean, if I, I agree with you guys 100%. If it's if it's what she's used to, that makes it the most fair. Like how why would that's like saying to a golfer. I this is the best example I can think of. Hey, um I'm going to give you a club that's 10 times longer than the one that you normally hit with and you're going to you're going to do the same thing. Yeah, like- it, it's not it, it's not possible. It's the other thing I actually agree with is there are two aspects to this competition that I think were not covered fully that are beneficial to both players. For Steph Curry, Steph Curry is in season right now. Steph Curry is doing this on a nightly basis right now. And not that shooters ever get out of rhythm. I think if you're a good shooter, you don't get out of rhythm. But, I mean, Sabrina is in the off season, So this was just like a, hey, yeah, I'll come out and do this type of thing for her. Mm-hmm. And she still shot 26. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. Steph Curry... 
as it, they, the way it was set on air is, I mean, this is not your ordinary NBA player. Sabrina would have smoked any normal NBA player. Steph Curry is just, he's just Steph Curry. Like, yeah. it's not, it, it's no discredit to Sabrina at all. Sabrina had 26. I think the criticism of using an NBA ball or whatever, it, it just doesn't, it does not add up. Yeah, because what if we made Steph Curry shoot with the WNBA ball? He would I miss. Mean, yeah, like, it's not, I don't think it's an advantage for Sabrina. No. I mean, because he would struggle with a smaller it's, ball anyways. It's completely factual. I actually, I was at, I was at a high school, I'm not going to say where because I don't want y'all stalking me, but I was shooting around in the gym and the only ball that was available was one of their women's basketball balls and it's smaller. And I miss way more shots than I would have if I had a ball that I would, I'm used to playing with. It's completely, it goes both ways. You can't shoot with a smaller ball and you can't shoot with a bigger ball. It, that's how it works. I mean, you can learn, but not, hey, you know, come into this competition and shoot with, shoot with a ball that you've never shot with in your life before. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I like the competition overall. I actually loved Steph's idea of let's keep this going. And next year, he said, me and Clay versus you and Caitlin Clark when she makes the league. I love that. That would be great. I it'd would be so love exciting. that. I'd eat that up. I think it'd be really cool. I think they could continue to expand it every year. Oh, absolutely. And I like, I like honestly, the connection that the, the NBA has been making a huge push recently to bring more attention to the WNBA. And I, I would argue that it is working. I think Caitlin Clark is doing great things for basketball at all levels right now. Um, it's... I think the attention to women's basketball is growing, and it's nice to see the NBA, who doesn't need any extra attention, bringing them in to their biggest event of the entire season, aside from the finals, to kind of say, like, hey, like this this is something you should be paying attention to as well. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, um, it's a great thing that they did that, giving Sabrina all that attention, because everyone was watching. You're putting her up next to Steph Curry. People are going to want to see that. And then, especially that after Caitlin Clark broke the record. I mean, women's basketball, it's in headlines everywhere right now, and it's huge for the game. Yeah, it's everywhere. its And I love it. It's really, um, I i think, um, well, let me ask you, do you do you follow the, the WNBA, like, consistently? Is that something that you're interested in? I'm not super huge in it, but I follow. What, aside from the entertainment value, which could be disputed either way, what is it what is it that is preventing people from watching that you think could be overcome to the average year? You're, and even speaking to me, I'd love to pay. I'd love to watch a WNBA. I just haven't. I haven't been given myself a reason to do it. Yeah, I think there's not as many teams. So like around here, it's not like you can just go to a game mm-hmm. and like go in person where and experience it live. And sometimes when you go from watching the NBA to watching the WNBA on TV, you could see the difference, the difference of atmospheres, you know, the difference of, you know, the women aren't dunking, making these crazy plays. So right. there's a big difference, and it's like a say, stereotype that Would you say it. it's more of, like, fundamental, actual basketball because of, I mean, like you said, there's not these big covered dunks that everybody sees in the NBA would you say it's like more of a fundamental game? Than- yeah, for sure. I'd definitely say that. And I think just the effort they put on the floor, I think they really give it all out on, when they're on there. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it deserves more attention. Completely agree. Yeah, um, I agree too. Go ahead. No, I agree too. I was just going to say, you know, it's kind of depends what kind of basketball style you like. Like I know my dad is really huge in the fundamentals and he gets upset when he watches the NBA and he doesn't see these guys playing defense or, you know, letting players blow right past them. And, you know, that's, it's, for me, and I don't care what anyone thinks, but 
the NBA is just a show. It's it's not real basketball. It's just you know you know it's a show. It's a show that these guys put on you know to make you know super exciting to make people watch, to make people come to the games. They're gonna see in the women's game. You know they're gonna play tough. They're gonna have that grit. They're gonna play hard defense, and that's stuff that people you know they like to see. But it's not something that's gonna be like oh my gosh like it's not gonna be the next headline. And I think that's what people you know misconstrued and they think oh it's boring. No, it's you know it's the grit and people aren't used to that seeing that with male sports sometimes yeah i agree 100 percent. i think their egos in the men's side they're so big which is why they have a problem with the dunk contest getting mm-hmm. players to you know play with the big names because they're, they care so much about their public appearance that they they play it safe or they'll just try to make flashy moves instead of actually playing the game to win sure yeah Absolutely. and it's it's good basketball i've watched I watched a little bit of the finals last year. I think um, I didn't. I didn't mind it. I think it's just a, it's a status quo thing that is slowly being overcome, and it's being helped. It's great to see. You know, I don't know if you guys have seen like Steph Curry or they'll pull up in the orange WNBA hoodie just to like gain more attention. They they know the cameras are on them. They know exactly what they're doing, and these that league deserves just as much attention as what the NBA is getting and I think it's I think it's getting there and I think Caitlin Clark is going to bridge make a huge bridge in that gap if there isn't already a bridge she's bringing so much positive attention to women's basketball mm-hmm. um, let's move away from Steph for Sabrina and finish off with the dunk contest now I have a lot of thoughts on this one I I think that this was one of the dumbest events I've ever watched it was rough what I don't even care about the results the the competitors were Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. who is the only, and eh, not the only. There were two NBA players, two G leaguers. Now, before we even read the names, why do we? Ha- I'm not acting like Mac McClung is not an, an amazing dunker, and it, it's good for the G League. But why? Why can't you find four NBA players that can dunk? What what is what is so difficult about that? I don't even, I don't, I agree with you, Logan. I honestly, I was about to say, I was like, why, why are there G League players? I, I really don't I understand think, that. If you want the event to be what it was, you got to have NBA players. And you got to have guys that are going to put on a show, but. Maybe one G Leaguer, throw one in there, but really two? But can we think about it? I mean, maybe, maybe this is something else. Maybe this is a tactical thing to get maybe more light on the G League. Like, what, or is it, is it, is it that? Or is it just the guys cannot perform as they want to I think could. dudes just don't want to do it. It's, it's their a, egos. Yeah. But why? Like, they're not confident in themselves to, like, perform it's, or, you know, or, you know, like, I just, I just don't understand. I don't get it. It, it was so, and aside from the people in it, we have got to get better judges. Yes. I mean, seriously, Mac McClung's first dunk was an immediate 50 for me. And it, it was like a 40, they rated it like a 47. Um, Toppin had a dunk that I thought was really good, yeah. and it was like a 42. It was, I mean, they're just they're haters. They're all haters for no reason. Um, I think going forward, and Kenny Kenny Smith said it best right after the contest. He said, we, we have to get named players in this for anybody to be interested. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, this is good for the G League, but that that's how, ever, there are 30 NBA teams, I think, 30 yeah. teams all have, 12 minimum players, 12 to 15, you're telling me you can't find four NBA players that are good at dunking that will do this? You have to go to the G League and get 
Mac McClung, who quit quit messing with Mac McClung, man. Don't keep putting him in dunk contests and then never give him an NBA contract. Stop using him for publicity. Like, I love watching him dunk, but oh my goodness, give the dude a contract. How hard is it? Make him like a, a two-way player somewhere. Why is yep. he still in the G League? And he does good in the G League, so I mean, it's not unreasonable for him to play exactly. for an NBA team. I, I mean, it's good for the G League and all, but meh. Um, it was a very meh competition yeah. for me. I don't yeah. think people are going to watch the dunk contest and then be like, I'm going to go watch the G League now. Like, No. no. I, I, we have a G League team, and I'll never go. I'll never go to watch. I don't care. It's boring. <laughs> the, you know, the only players that play on the Cavs G League team that I care about also play on the Cavs, so I'll just go watch the Cavs. Yep. It's, I don't know. I, I didn't like it. Um before we preview the All-Star game, let's take a quick side note. We have a few Hot Mike questions. For those who don't know what Hot Mike is, it's where you, the listener, get your chance to ask questions on our show. Be a part of it as much as you can on our X at WZIP Sports. Once again, the home for Zips basketball coverage. We only have two questions, and they're both from the same kid. So I, I we're, we are going to answer them for him. Um Said, you've been watching any college baseball. Glad you asked, El Congrove Great on Twitter. Uh, yes, because the Akron Zips are now in play, and they had the first home run in the entire NCAA this past Friday. It was very, it was impressive. I liked it. They, I didn't think, I saw that stat, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Not something I would have, I would have expected. Uh, that home run was hit by Max Bowman mm-hmm. to walk off solo shot against Illinois. Uh, congratulations to Coach Falds on his first win as Akron Zips head coach. That's who I'm paying attention to. Uh, you guys you guys second that? The Akron Zips is the team to watch this year? Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, there's your answer, El Congrove. Great. And we just completely answered your second question, which was what needs to change to improve the NBA dunk contest? Let's all say our answer again. Name players. Yeah. And better judges. Yep. Yep. That's, those are the answers. That's our Hot Mic segment for this week. Uh, once again, that's your chance to get in on our show. At WZIP Sports on X, follow us for all kinds of different coverage, men's and women's zips, basketball. Uh, we'll be getting into some, some baseball coverage. MAC Tournament, it's your home for everything Akron Athletics. You will not want to miss it. Again, at WZIP Sports on X. To round out our show, we have about four minutes left. Let's preview tonight's All-Star game, which is going back to the East versus West format. Uh, let's talk about that just in itself. Are you guys happy that it's finally back to this format? Mm-hmm. I kind of enjoyed watching the draft. I did like players. the draft. I thought it made it more exciting. Man, I, I love the I love it the way it is. And I love, like, the like, it's just not the same anymore. Like, the way it was in, like, 2014, 2015, like, LeBron and all of them in those games, that was so exciting to watch. But I know for, like, myself, I'm not going to watch it. It's less of a spectacle for me at this point. I, I will, I'll still watch, but it's not anything. I mean, I watched it last year. I'm glad. The one thing I'm glad is gone is, like, the Elam ending, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like any of that. I like the charity aspect of it. I liked how if you had met certain points, you donated. I'm sure they'll do something similar with that yeah. this year. They're not going to just let that go. But as for East versus West, I really like that it's back to the format. But the draft was cool. Outside of the draft, I did not like anything about the format from the previous couple of years. But the draft itself was pretty was pretty cool. Um, let's talk about the games, the East versus West Um the East is coached by Doc Rivers, uh, Waka Waka, 
on that one. That's the most undeserved coaching thing I've ever seen. He's lost almost every game he's coached since he's been that Bucks head coach, and the only reason he got it is because of a technicality on the the former head coach, Adrian Griffin, getting the Bucks that record. And then the West, I want to say... Um, I'm blanking. What's the head coach of the West? Mitch. Mitch, fill me in. Who Who's the best team in the West right now? Chris I'm totally Finch. blanking. Chris Finch. Yes, that's the coach. Um, who, who do you think takes this one tonight? we got about two minutes left, so we don't have to go too in-depth just because it's for fun. I think the Western Conference is going to take it, and I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be MVP. Oh, I like that. I really like that. <laughs> you know what? I think, I think I'm going to agree with Maya on that one. Okay. I think, I think the West wins, and I think none other than LeBron James is the MVP because he always <laughs> is every single year. Man. Not that I want him to be. I'm, I'm not a. I'm not a LeBron fan. I'm not. I re- I should never say that on Akron Airwaves, but I just don't yeah, care. Yeah, don't. That was that was. You just you went off for like ten minutes about heat culture, and now you don't like LeBron. Oh, well, that's for another is time, Maya. A, is LeBron a part of the heat culture? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Hundred percent. Okay. You don't like him. I don't mean I gotta like him. I don't like everybody that's on the Heat right now. He left. He left both my teams that I care about. One of them twice. Yep. Yep. That's and that's that's all I got, uh, guys. Before we close out, any final thoughts on today's show? No, I mean today was a great show. You know, awesome to have Maya on for the first time. I think we had a lot of great topics and we had a lot of great, uh, you know, points, a lot of good camaraderie. So yeah, today was a great show, guys. Yeah, we had some great conversations. Super fun being my first show. Can't wait to do it more. Absolutely. Once again, this has been Sports Power Talk on WZIP. We will be back same time, same place right here on WZIP 88.1 next Sunday, 11 to 1, Sports Power Talk. Once again, joining me was... Maya. And Abby Coley. And my name is Logan Congrove. WZIP will be back same time, same place right here. Sports Power Talk. And follow us on X at WZIP Sports, your home for all Akron Sips basketball and other Akron athletics. We will see you next time right here on Sports Power Talk.